I'm Daniela Vitale, and this is The Barney's Podcast, the show that celebrates fashion, style, culture, and most of all, personality. I'm the first female CEO in the company's history. Leadership has always been an important part of my job, and I always strive to do it with empathy and kindness. Someone who knows about that, too, is poet Cleo Wade. And so when I say real leaders lead with love, it's because they know the benefits of how to lead in a, in a space of, like, hope and faith and joy. Cleo Wade is an artist, poet, and activist who has been called the millennial Oprah. She just published her first book, Heart Talk, Poetic Wisdom for a Better Life. I was the girl who, I grew up in the French Quarter in New Orleans, and so I, I would work at the clothing stores when I was like 11. And so there were these <laughs> two, because I don't, have you been to New Orleans? Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of like its own little neighborhood. So if you're a kid that grows up there, and I was one of the only kids, you had this sense of independence that you wouldn't have most places because you weren't roaming around it like an isolated neighborhood, you were roaming around like so much action so that, you know, when I would get home from school, I could like, you know, like I'd go into the po' boy shop and I could go into like a clothing store and I'd go to a voodoo shop and I could really, I had so much freedom because my neighborhood was this was little this... Disney World right. town, you know? <laughs> and uh, so when I was growing up, I remember that there were these two stores that were like, you know, the it was the first time I saw women being bosses. And so, you know, because I, you'd go and you'd be like, well, the men own the stores and da-da. But the, in these two little boutiques in New Orleans, when I was maybe at 12, <laughs> I definitely wasn't legally allowed to work. And they would let me just sit there for free. And I'd be like, I just want to be here because... I was babysitting four children when I was 12. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine today? Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that there's something built in certain people because I just don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't in a space of like, not... It's not like the transactions you're into, but it's like this relationship with people where you like share and, 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 oh, I do this and you do that. And it's, there's something, I don't know if it's the community that I've always loved about being, about working and, and as, yeah, maybe it's the community that is, I think that is just built into some people where you just have such a joy right. to immerse yourself in it. And so they were the first women I saw who just ran their own businesses. And so I just remember watching them and I, Worked in those stores all through high school. And then when I moved to New York after high school, my first job here was as an office manager at Halston. Oh, my which, God. Which re relaunched at the time. Yes, of course. And uh, and it was also the first time I saw a female CEO, and it was this woman, Bonnie Tucker. Mm -hmm. She really put me through boot camp in the way of like, you know, she definitely wasn't the mentor that was like, oh, you know, like. I just felt so great about myself right. every day. I was like, wow, I really developed a work ethic that if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have later been able to apply to my own work. Because the thing about being a person who writes or creates everything from a space of their own name or their own business is you have to be able to show up as if you would to a job that you had to be at from nine to five or else you'd get fired. Right. And if you don't that have... That kind of discipline. Yeah. And if you don't have that discipline, you... You could have all of the best ideas. You could be the best writer in the world. But if you can't work and get the work done and then go through all of the systems and steps to put it into the world, then it's all for nothing. And so that was really such a defining time of my life. It was like maybe a year or two, but that 
because I just knew what it meant to like get up and go every day and like no task being too small. And Did you say afterwards, that's it? I'm going to be a writer and an artist. It was <laughs> never forget the office. I, that's not for me. Yeah, I was I think I did a few more like freelancey like kind of things in fashion after that. But I um and and I definitely always had this, you know, what I've always loved about people in the fashion community is is that there it was so deeply expressive. I think part of the reason that I had this calling to move to New York or be in New York at an early age was because I was always, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So I'd kind of piece together these like thrift store clothes. So I, the way I knew how to express myself first was through clothing. And so, and, the, and so I've always had this appreciation for the way that it's allowed women to walk into the job interview and feel more confident or go on the first date and feel more secure. And I think it's that one thing you can always control in your life that can make you feel a little bit better about anything you're having to be brave about. And that's why I love the industry so much. Um, You have a great sense of style. And was that innate or is that something that happened over time? I, I think it's I think it's a mixture. My dad is very, very stylish. He's someone who wears three-piece suits and like a hat and sunglasses every, every day, day. Even at night. Uh, and so I think I always knew that, you know, fashion is one way that you can also really express your own individuality. I think when my father walks down the street, everyone knows it's him because of the way he adorns himself. And I think also growing up in New Orleans, you're in this culture of right, Mardi right, Gras and Jazz right. Fest. And, and 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 that is such a huge part of part being of- able to feel free is, is, is what you put on your body. Um, and so I think that that definitely always carried with me. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, I mean, I have an, I have an office here now, but it's got like like striped wallpaper and I share it with my <laughs> girlfriend not, Elaine. Right. And, You're not and, spending probably much time in the office. Yeah, but, but I, um, I, yeah, I don't know that I'm the office person. And I definitely, I was such an awful office manager. I like, I still, but the thing was, is that the reason Bonnie was such an amazing mentor is that I had a skill, which was actually the, which was actually defining my work ethic and finding my own discipline like they saw that I would be able to do that and if I could do that there's nothing I couldn't do who were some of your mentors my first sort of big real job was going to Ferragamo as a merchandise manager um, in men's shoes the woman that hired me Paulette Garofalo who is a very very dear friend to me today um, really was just had incredible influence on me and my career I knew that I had the the ability to be able to run something, and she really helped me do that and really helped also, in fact, prepare for the next steps in my career, which is also sometimes hard for a mentor or someone that is your right-hand person in business. You don't want to give them up. Yeah. I know I never do, yeah. but she had the foresight and the and the ability to say when my next job came along, it is time for you to go. I did have also another mentor that I would really be remiss in mentioning, which was Mark Lee, who was the former CEO of Barney's and was the my boss at, at Gucci. And he was, you know, and I always also tell people you can have actually one, ma- many mentors. You don't need just one. So do you have just like so much great Gucci? I do have a you lot have of Gucci great through Gucci. The years. I do. Do you have 12 Tom years. Ford Gucci? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have so a cool. lot of good Gucci. 
And I have present day Gucci, too. Mm-hmm. That's now at Barney's. But um, I have to congratulate you on your amazing book. I finished it actually last night. Thank you. And it was actually something that I couldn't put down. So I decided I wasn't making dinner for anyone and I was going to finish <laughs> your book. Um, I really appreciate Really, that. you know, one of the things that I earmarked was your poem, A Message from Today, Maybe Don't Tomorrow Your Life Away, I thought was so great. Well, you know, I think that whether it's in work, whether it's the dream project, whether it's getting more involved in the world as an active citizen the way you want to, um, oftentimes I think we feel so overwhelmed by how big the goal may be that we let our um, inability to do everything get in the way of our ability to do something. And so when I wrote that, I it, it really is more of a call to action that there's always something you can do to begin. You know, how many times I'm sure if you've had a team member or someone at work is like, oh, I can't even think about that project yet. Or, oh, I, I can't even believe that this quarter is about to end. And instead you can say to them, well, what's the thing you can do about it right now? Because for every mission, there's always something you can get to work on in the moment. And I think that's stayed with me because in this moment of, you know, chronic, chronic multitasking and always trying to be two and three steps ahead of everyone else. And I feel like sometimes I uh, have trouble giving my team direction because I also am like that and, and thinking, you know, way, way ahead of the game when in fact it should be more in the moment. So I thought that was really important. Yeah, but we need both, right? Because We need, and it's so funny because we live in this space where, um, you know, it's so, the world is changing so quickly, whether it's in business, whether it's in our political sphere, whether it's our social norms. And and during those times, it's so important to have people like you who are the visionaries, right? You have the imagination, some may call it the radical imagination to navigate these the new terrain. And so while it is so important for people like you to be able to speak to what tomorrow and the you next day to. and the next day after that will look like, it's Equally important, that's where the team comes in, right? So that everything can be implemented one day at a time and each person has the ability to, you know, you can only do work in the moment. right? So no matter what work you're doing, because everything else just helps you prepare for tomorrow, the work you're still doing only belongs in the exact moment that you do it in. I think you should be CEO, actually. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) We could switch. I I don't know if I could write as well as you can, so... Um, another passage from your book that you said, sometimes the only thing another person needs is for us to believe in them. I thought that was so incredible. Well, so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, we have all these dreams and aspirations, but what usually gets in the way is like, can I, should I, could I really do it? Am I really worthy? And I and think- do you think women are particularly susceptible to those insecurities or do you think that's, you know, I think that it's, um, it's, Biologically, no. I think our societal norms have made it so because we don't see ourselves in those positions. We don't see the 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 we don't see ourselves being the CEOs, um, which is why it's so crucial for women like you to tell their stories. Because what I have found is that while it's so amazing and we're so lucky if we do get to have the mentor that is in our life who gets to directly impact our journey, but if you don't have the luxury of that, and it is such a privilege and it is such a luxury, what you end up doing is finding those people's stories in the world mm-hmm. and using their 
life as your first template. So for me, before I knew who I wanted to be or what I wanted to say, I saw women like Gloria Steinem or Angela Davis or Alice Walker or men like James Baldwin. And I said, wow, those are people who are able to take their writing and affect world change with it or or take their writing and make you feel like you'll be okay. And when before I knew what style and how I would be able to do it, I could jump into that template and say, okay, this is where I'll start. My goal will be to be who they are. Right. And then, of course, once you get there, you kind of dismantle that template to build your own. Oh. But it takes understanding where to begin in order to have that type of foundation. And so that's why I always encourage women to constantly tell their stories because you never know what young girl is out there looking for you to be her starting place to say like, okay, well, she did this and then she did this. And then this is how she runs that company and she still does this. And that's why also as women, it's so important for us to tell every aspect of our lives. So when we say like, okay, we didn't cook the dinner that night because we did this. And when we show how we prioritize being able to access every part of our being and every part of our life, whether that's domestic business, spiritual, physical health, mental health, we give young girls this opportunity to see where they can begin and, and how to really start the journey of being that CEO or being that person that they aren't seeing in films, that they aren't seeing. You know, we still are living in this place where if you go by a lot of billboards, you know, we're not seeing the woman who's the CEO on the billboard or the, you know, woman of color who might be the CEO or the owner or the founder on the billboard. And those things are changing. And I'm so grateful that we're creating more content in the world that that shows the reality of the world we live in, not just a certain subsect Subject, of culture right. that has always been that way. Um, but until w- young girls can see that more, we, I think, has a, have a responsibility where we are in our careers and in our lives to make sure that every possible chance we get, we tell the stories. That's why I'll have female friends of mine who are like, I just don't like to public speak. I'm not going to do the panel. Like I just, And I was like, you have to do the panel. Right. It's critical for you to do the panel, not because it's about you. And they're like, and I just don't love to tell this story. And like, you know, and, and I just, I'm the behind the scenes worker. Right. And it's like, <laughs> our young girls need you to, to step out from behind the scenes. Right. I think women also are very fearful of sacrifice and feeling guilty and, you know, how to prioritize and, you know, what do we do to change that? Because I actually never felt guilty. I yeah. have children. I have twin 15-year-old boys. I mean, I shouldn't say I have never felt guilty. Of course, yeah, I've yeah. felt guilty. But but how do we teach women not to feel or, you know, not to feel guilty about talking about themselves or, you know, it, it's that always astounds me, too, because I think that's one thing that hasn't changed, that, yeah. it, that it's all this still kind of falls on women, regardless of how successful they are or where they are in their career. How do we change that narrative? You know, there's this James Baldwin line that says that children never listen to their parents, but they never fail to imitate them. And I think that when we boldly make our choices and and help our children to understand the new normals that we must live in so that women can have a chance to live the fullest possible life they can live rather than the oppressed one that we've had to struggle through since always, Um, then when we live that boldly, they understand. One of my closest girlfriends is this woman, Julie Rice, who is one of the founders of Soul Cycle. And we were talking about this the other day. And she was like, you know, because um, she, uh, after she sold Soul Cycle, she like 
was already ready to like have a new job. <laughs> and most people are like, okay, okay I just freaking I just sold, sold my company. Soul cycle. Like I am I'm going to Bali. out. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, I live in Hawaii right. now, you know? And um, so she was like, I know that most people would want to maybe like, I don't know, check out or just live domestic life or whatever. But um, she's like, even my kids, like they always know like what they were going to be proud of me for were the things I built. And I think that men have had the luxury of, of approaching the world in that way always where they're like, where the respect for my children comes from is what I build and what I do and what I make, whether that's money or skyscrapers right. or legal firms or whatever. And I think that for women, we've always valued, we've always taught children to value us by what we do for them. And so I think that when we redefine this balance of, of course, there's we want to be valued for how we give and, and nurture our, our youth, but we also want them to respect us for what we do and make and how we contribute to the world and know that it's so important for us to be able to have both. Right. I agree. I mean, I think the, you know, the being a role model, I think, for them. And, that you know, in fact, I took six months off at one point in my career. They don't remember that <laughs> at all. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. They don't remember. I said, don't you remember I picked you up from school? I took you to school. We would do all these activities. They have no recollection. They're like, but they, but they, like, I they know everything out, about my yeah, career. Yeah. <laughs> they know everything about my career. But I think that's really important. And on that subject, I have twin boys and with everything that's going on in the world today, how do we, you know, for a 15-year-old, they see a lot of yeah. anti sort of male yeah. sentiment yeah. and a lot of dialogue, um, some of it hard for them to understand. But what do you think le- about everything that's going on with Me Too and what what are some of the lessons for our boys or for the men in our lives from all of this. I mean, what 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 do I tell my sons? Yeah, you know, I just I just spoke at this conference in California that was this private off the record conference, and it was and it was a group. There was a it was more than fifty percent male people in in media, and um, oh, I was telling them about how uh, my 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 speech was basically about the. Um, how these times require us to have imagination because imagination um, sees the unseen and it turns everything into an opportunity and every and it and it most certainly turns every challenge into an opportunity and so in part of that speech there was this one line I said where I said you know imagination does not see the me too movement as um, anti-man or something that should make all men feel um, feel uncomfortable in their own skin. It sees it as an opportunity to redefine masculinity and um, and change the gender power dynamics for the next generation of boys and girls. And so I, I joke about these times that, you know, there's a reason, and I think I heard it in the book too, it's like, it's called growing pains, not growing mm-hmm. pleasures. Um, I think that it's been time for a long time for us to reevaluate the gender power dynamics and to really redefine masculinity so that if a young boy is crying somewhere, we don't tell him to be a man and stop crying. Right. We have raised our kids for too long um, in, in this cloud of toxic masculinity. And I think that we need to transcend that into being a space of divine masculinity where like being a man is so amazing and this is why right and so i think that when we start to talk to our young boys about it we have to tell them well for a long time we looked at things this way right but when you look at it this way that's really not fair and that really doesn't make women feel safe 
And don't you think everyone deserves to feel safe? And don't you think everyone deserves? And and I think it. I really turn it to an issue of humanity. That's what everyone, I say. It's just be a good person. And I what think that's you, hard. I mean, do you think that that's, um, I mean, you talked a little bit about women getting out there and talking more in certain, you know, forums. I mean, I, I do think there needs to be more in terms of women's leadership. Yeah. Unfortunately, even in my industry, which is dominated by women, most of the, still the big leadership positions, the CEOs, it's still, you know, very much dominated by men. Yeah. Um, and trying to change that narrative is the narrative is easy. Yeah. But, the <laughs> but actually changing yeah. exactly is a whole other. I, I mean, I think that we at this point also because social norms are changing so quickly, too, uh, we have to do the work on the culture within the company. And uh, and I think that that's what we're seeing more than anything. I think we're seeing that with, you know, Starbucks closing in order to have these trainings. And I think that, you know, we're, we won't get the type of change we need unless we do the work right. in the culture. Right. And so even when that comes to team building, whether that means like, okay, you know what, we're going to have a day where we have a storyteller come in and help you shape your story because your story is that important. And and in hopes that one day you can tell your story more so that someone can be like, oh, that's what I, that's the template I need. That's great. Or that's the template I need. And and so I think that making those types of investments in the culture of companies will create massive waves because also it'll change people's expectations for leadership, which, you know, it's that saying kind of about Washington. It's, you know, change um, doesn't come from Washington. It comes to it. Right. And so even when those positions start to change at the very, very top, they never change just because the very, very top decided, I think we'll make more room for all of these other oppressed right. groups. <laughs> they change because this wave of the culture comes to the top and is like, oh, it's all the people, uh, you know, the the power of the people is always more powerful than the people of power. Right. And so that pushes for the change. Change gets pushed. pushed. And so I think that when we start creating new expectations in our culture and new standards for leadership and voices and, and, and stories, then we'll really see the places that we haven't seen change start to dismantle. I agree with you. I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> We all do. <laughs> so another book for you. What's what's next? Yeah. I know you have a big book tour. Um, yeah, I'll be touring the book for the rest of the year. I mean, I really wrote this book to be able to be in community with my audience. And so my biggest joy is being able to be with them. So, I mean, I, I really do feel like I wrote this book as a vehicle to meet them, not as something to sell. <laughs> what I thought was interesting is on your Instagram you always talked about the other woman, whoever was interviewing you, or oh, if there yes. was. I'm bringing was all so my. In, yeah, I, I'm actually. It's so incredible because yeah. most people on their Instagram, it's obviously about me. And yeah. you were always, you t- every post you led with the woman that was with you or yeah. interviewing you. I'm bringing you. all of my best friends on, on, on tour. And so I am. Um, oh, I didn't realize they were your best yeah, friends. Yeah. So, so I have like, and it's it's a mix. Like my brother's coming. And we have some people that are just like women who inspire me. But we have all these people who are coming on the different stops. And what's been so cool is that, I mean, there's 300, 500 young girls there. And they just, I've, when I meet all of them after, they're like, I am her. Like Aww, that is me. That's amazing. Um, and so it's really the the did you the was that always stuff. an idea that you would do that? Yeah, so for the I, tour or? it was the idea that got a lot of friction because um it was I was like having I'm having the book tour where I don't talk about the book. <laughs> and so but I was like I don't 
you know, when you make something that's so simple, like I, I, my biggest joy is seeing the way the book just takes on its own life. Like I don't feel the need to post about it constantly or do anything because it just lives in the world. Like people really have taken this book and, you know, turned it into a part of their life and really incorporated it into their day to day. Like I, can't, I agree with that. And I so, think there's something about their simplicity is something that I would continue to repeat to people over yeah. and over again. If it's too complicated, you're never going to repeat, right, the yeah. story. But I think you're right. There's something um, really uh, digestible about the book. And, and as I said, I very rarely tag anything, but I thought it really, you know, was, was applicable to me and, and as running a company for running a company. Yeah. So it's, it's been a, it's been a joy. So on the tour, I was like, I remember telling the publisher, I was like, I was like, if I'm going to be able to get this amount of people together, we need to heal together because what, what's happening is that we keep trying to build a world and, and build businesses and build relationships and personal lives from unhealed places. And if we can heal, then we can really do anything and do anything well. And so that was really the kind of point of my tour. Which is amazing. And people really need inspiration right now, yeah. desperately. So you've done an incredible job. Anyway, Cleo, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Congratulations again. Thank Good luck with so the book much. tour. And I look forward to seeing you when you get back. Uh, thanks. Barney's podcast is produced by Barney's and Transmitter Media. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. That was painless. Uh, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, I love that. You're so good. 